Uh, good morning. Delighted to share God's word with you this morning. Uh, my name is Raphael, and I've been a member of King Church for some time. We will continue with a series, Light in the Darkness. We'll be looking at some of the futures of the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of this world and how we can be ambassadors of God's kingdom in our day-to-day living, in our workplaces. I will be sharing some personal experiences, and they are just an illustration of the grace of God. The passage you'll be looking at is from Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 to 45. I will just give a little bit of background. Uh, Last week, Luke read the whole chapter, and it begins with Nebuchadnezzar having a dream, and he completely forgetting the dream and asking the wise men and the magicians to both tell him the dream and also to interpret it. Of course, we know they couldn't, and Daniel and his friends sought the face of God, and God showed Daniel the dream and also the interpretation. I will start reading from verse 31, where Daniel stands before the king to tell him about the dream and the interpretation as well. So Daniel chapter 2, starting from verse 31. You, O king, were watching and behold a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay, and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like shaft from the summer threshing floor. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Verse 36. This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given to you a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the air, he has given them into your hand, and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of God. But which But after you shall rise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, iron breaks in pieces, shall rule rule over all the earth. And the four kingdoms shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. And whereas you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. 
And as the toes of the feet that were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. Verse 43. As you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of man, and they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of this kingdom, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to any other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Verse 45. Inasmuch as you saw the stone was cut out of the mountain with without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, and the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we do want to thank you for your word and thank you for this morning for opportunity to look to listen to you. We pray that your Holy Spirit uh, will help us. Lord, we teach us, we open our hearts and open our ears to hear from you. The Lord will be blessed by your word. I receive utterance and hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. The emphasis we are going to um put on this passage this morning is from verses 44 to 45. I'm just going to read these two uh, verses again. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will, be never, that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all, this, all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke, that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. This passage sort of resembles the prophecy about the birth of Jesus in Isaiah 9-7. It says of the greatness of his kingdom and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. We can see from these two passages some of the features of the kingdom of God, that it is permanent, it endures forever. But the kingdom of this world is temporary. It is only for a season and it passes away. The kingdom of this world speaks of wealth, such as the gold and the silver we saw in the image. It speaks of strength, such as the iron and the bronze, but it's as weak as clay and it is temporary. It passes away. Peter puts it in other words. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 to 25, he says, all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower 
fades away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So the kingdom of this world, even uh, of this world, promises so much, but is so temporarily. It does not last forever. In fact, David, uh, in fact, Solomon from the Bible has it all in terms of what this world can offer. At the end of it, he concluded in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 14. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed, all is vanity, grasping for the wind. So we can see that the kingdom of this world is actually very, very temporary. It passes away. Now let's have a look at the kingdom of God. It goes beyond, beyond the idea of just a location. God's kingdom is where God actually rules. It's where his will is being done. It's a place in our heart or a place where we, we apply the, the, the ways of God to do whatever we do. We apply God's principle to rule our life. That is where God's kingdom reigns. God has dominion in our life when we allow his word to rule our lives. In fact, Jesus made a statement in Luke 17, 21. It says, the kingdom of God does not come by observation. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. When we are born again, God comes to dwell in us by his Holy Spirit. He gives us his word to transform our minds and our attitudes so that we can become ambassadors of his kingdom in our communities, to transform our societies, and to bring light in the darkness that is in this world, to bring hope to a hopeless society. God put his kingdom within us to, to, so that we can raise a standard where in a world where everything is relative, a world where a sense of what is right or the value system is dependent on the social media. God wants us to raise a standard of righteousness because he has put his kingdom within us. So how did Daniel and his friends transform the Babylonian culture as ambassadors of God's kingdom? In the first uh, preach that we had on this series, we found that they built their lives on the word of God. As Matthew put it, they were principled. The second uh, preach was by Luke, and he talks about that God poured into them, Daniel and his friends, the gifts of skill in knowledge and literature, and Daniel had understanding in visions and dreams. And we can see that Daniel applied this gift of being able to interpret dreams to actually bring the kingdom of God open in, Bab in, in Babylon. We saw that Nebuchadnezzar fell down and acknowledged God after Daniel interpreted the dream. However, in this talk today, we are going to look at how they use their skills and their manner of life, principles of excellence, diligence, steadfastness to bring out the kingdom of God in Babylon. You will realize that they were not just given spiritual gifts, but they were given gifts in literature and in learning, in all sorts of learning, practical knowledge, 
that they lived by. In fact, if they had been living our generation, they would have been said to be very, very techy. So how do they, for instance, use this practical skills to transform the Babylonian culture? We have an illustration from chapter 6 of Daniel from verses 1 to 3. In that time, King Darius was the one ruling the kingdom of Babylon, and he had three governors, and he wanted to promote Daniel above the other two governors because an excellent spirit was in him. So the government, so the governors and the satraps, they sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find any charge or fault because he was faithful nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then this man said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. And we can see here that Daniel had that spirit of excellence, faithful, governing with integrity and justice. And King Darius realized that the smooth running of his kingdom depended on Daniel's administrative skills, his integrity, his excellence. In the same way, God wants us to use our skills, our diligence, our steadfastness to transform our society, to become ambassadors of his kingdom. In fact, Jesus talked about this when he gave us several parables about the kingdom. And we're going to look at one of those parables in Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 to 32. It reads, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seed, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. A, a tree that provides a resting place, a feeding place for the birds. In the same way, God wants us that through our work, or through our skills, we should promote righteousness, peace, and provide hope for a hopeless society by using our skills. God has put us, wherever we are, God has put us there to use our skills to bring a place of rest, to bring peace to our society, and to transform our society, to bring hope to a hopeless society. A very good example, which I really want us to, uh, to look at, of someone bringing hope to a hopeless society is about another person who was also in exile. It was a young captive girl who was the maid of Naaman's wife. The, we all know the story about Naaman from 2 Kings chapter 5. The Bible says Naaman was the captain of the Syria king. He was a man of valor, but there was something hopeless in that household it was leprous. And then they brought this girl as a captive from Israel, and she became a maid to Naaman's wife. In the course of her duty, she said to Naaman's wife, Oh, oh that my master 
will be with the prophet in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Here was a hopeless situation in the household of Nehemiah, but this girl brings hope in this hopeless situation. In fact, in this sort of society, mates are not are to be seen, not to be heard. You could just imagine that you read these stories, and maybe we don't really give much thought to it. Imagine one day that Nehemiah comes from, from work or from fighting, and he sits down with the wife, and the wife says, I think we should do something about your leprosy. And of course, he, he peps up because he wants to hear about the solution. And he says, I think you should go to the prophet in Samaria. I say, yes. But how did you get that information? The wife would have said, I got it from the maid. I mean, that would have sounded from the maid. It implies that there was something special about her. Her words were counted, uh, had some value because I believe she was a trustworthy maid. She did a very good job to the extent that the wife of Nehemiah could trust her words. By her skill, she brought hope to a hopeless society, uh, a hopeless situation in Nehemiah's household. In the same way, God wants us in our workplaces to be the voices of justice, to be the voice of those without a voice, to bring protection to the vulnerable, to raise up the standard of righteousness, equity, excellence, and justice, uh, to be a voice or a, a people that will provide for the hungry and alleviate pov uh, poverty. So I'm just going to give some personal examples and experiences uh, in my workplace. I have been working in the field of dairy genetics in the UK for some time. In fact, in addition to the research that we do, we actually run a very practical uh, service to the farmers in the UK. We provide figures three times a year, which drives the breeding and management of dairy cattle throughout the whole UK. And we release these figures three times a year. In fact, I'm te technically responsible for the whole process. It's when I say yes, then the figures actually will go out. So I have a technical responsibility for the whole process. It was because of this case that in 2014, I was approached by uh, the Gates Foundation to be part of a project in Africa to bring this case into the situation in Africa. I have to say it was one of the most difficult decisions because it went against all my idea of a family because I knew I have to leave my family for some time. I have to be away for some weeks. And to me, that is not just the way I thought family life should be. But we talked about it. I talked with Matt and Anne, and we talked about it, and we felt God was in it. And I decided to take up that challenge. Before, however, before I tell you about my work in Africa, I just want to share some experiences with you concerning my work in the UK. I did mention that technically I was responsible for the whole process. And at times, there were difficult times when we had some deadlines, where we have to make some technical decisions. And it's not always easy for me to say, no, these figures cannot go out, because I know something wasn't quite right. However, there was a particular situation. Uh, we were really against the deadline, and the figures came out. We knew something was wrong. And we had a meeting then, and we said, okay, uh, some people should look at some aspect of the of the work, and I was to look at some technical aspects. 
And that was like the evening, and we're going to meet tomorrow to review the whole procedure. So that evening, I went home, and just my usual way, I just thought just to kneel down to give thanks to God for, for the day. I already had in my mind what I thought I would do to resolve the problem. I have barely knelt down. I just knelt down, and I could hear God's voice immediately saying, what you're planning to do, this is not the problem. The problem is here. The problem is there. The problem is there. In fact, I was really, really surprised. So I immediately finished my prayers. I went straight to the computer, and I opened my computer, and exactly the problem was there. I quickly resolved the issue, ran the program again, and the results came out very fine. And I didn't stop there. And that evening, I dropped an email to my boss and all concerned, narrating the story just the way it happened, that I was needed to pray, and God gave this to me. And of course, some of them came back, with me, to, back to me with some surprise, some were just mm, about it. But that is how God you know, bringing hope to hopeless situation. In fact, that has happened to me more than one time. Now to the work in Africa. Just to give you a little bit of a little bit of background information, 80% of the milk produced in most African countries they are, is produced by what we call smallholder farmers. That means they have one to five cows. The average milk production here in the UK is around 30 kilograms, 30 kilograms. Whereas 90% of these millions of farmers have an average of 1.5, 30 kilograms versus 1.5. Around 5% have around 2.5 kilograms average. So the question is, is it possible for us to double, even triple this amount of milk production in for the smallholder farmer? Well, you might, you might say the quick solution is to get a car from the UK with 30 kilograms of milk and just plant that car in Africa. That has been done many times. And the consequence is that the, the cows, the animals are not adapted to the climate. It always results in a lot of uh, finance being wasted and they do not survive. And so what, what we wanted was animals that were adapted to the environment, but at the same time improved them genetically. So basically that was where my skill came in, to be involved to do that. And just to indicate that this can be life-transforming to the smallholder farmer. You might think they produce 1.5 kilograms of milk every day. What does that mean? What, what is the value of that? It is of great value. In fact, our aim is to, to not only to double that, to actually triple that. This, the car can produce milk for 500 days. It means it's a steady source of income for the farmer for over two years. So that is why it really makes an impact in the life of the farmer. And so I've got involved with this project. I've traveled many times, leaving the family behind and working, bringing, using the skill that God has given to me. And now we have put in place a pipeline to generate animals, cows that are adapted to the situation in Africa, for both in Ethiopia and in, in, in Tanzania. Recently, we had what we call the, the bull parade. A bull parade would be like your fashion show, but this time we're showing up the best animals. 
Why I'm telling you this story, after the show, there was a representative from one of the farmer organizations, and he rose up to speak. He said some years ago, he retired from his work and gathered all the money he had he wanted to farm. And he bought, he was looking for advice he couldn't find, and he spent all his money to buy cows from abroad. And of course, what happened was that all the cows died and he lost all his pension and all his money. And he said, how I wish that this program started many years so that I could have benefited from what you people have done. So this is some, just an example of God helping me and helping the whole team to transform lives using the skills that he has given to us. So what are some of the key messages really I really want us to take home today from this message? The first key message is that it's having the right focus. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. Daniel and his friends were not in Babylon to get, to get the best that Babylon could offer them. They were there to see that the kingdom of God is established at all times and by every means. We are not here either to just to make a living. Our primary focus, God desire for us is that we seek first his kingdom. Whether in our workplace or whatever we do, we should aim to establish God's principles of righteousness, justice, equity, in our manner of living and work. That is the primary focus. This should drive us in a place of work to make sure that we do things in a just way, raise up standards of righteousness that bring God's glory to the light. The second um, key message I would like us to take home is being proactive. In Matthew, it says, let your light so shine that men may see and give glory to God. There's an element of being deliberate here. Say, let your light shine so that men may actually see that light and give glory to God. The situation and the story I told about Naaman's uh, maid, she was proactive. She saw a hopeless situation. There was leprosy in the house. Without being asked, she said to Naaman's wife, oh, that Naaman will actually be with the prophet in Samaria and he will be healed. And again, if you look at Matthew 25, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God separating the sheep from the gods. And he says, you see me hungry and you fed me, naked and you gave me clothes, sick and you visited me. There's an element of taking initiative. The hungry not really asking for help, but we being proactive, you being proactive, we being proactive, looking out, reaching out with the skills that God has given to us to bless our society. And the third key point is to be filled with God's kingdom. In fact, you can only give what you have got. The Bible says that the good man, out of the good deposit in his heart, bring forth good things. When we are filled with God's kingdom, we are filled with God's Holy Spirit, we can become agents of 
his kingdom to transform our society. In Acts 6, they needed people to distribute food, but they were looking for people who were filled with the kingdom, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with faith. In fact, we are at our best when we are filled with God's Spirit. Our hands work better, our minds are clearer, our ears, they hear more than voices. We hear what is the heart of man. Our eyes see a bit more because we see more than just the physical. Our hearts are more responsive and more compassionate when we are filled with the Spirit of God. So take time to study the Word of God. Let it transform, transform you. Seek to be filled, continued by the Holy Spirit. Grow in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I will just end up with another small example. When I was leaving the UK to work part-time in, in Africa, of course, you get a lot of emails from colleagues, you know, say a lot of things about you. There are quite a lot of emails I got, but there was a particular one from a colleague, very detailed email. And she said, thank you very much for working with us these many years. You've taught us science. But more than that, you've taught us how to live. You've taught us what it means to be peaceful in the midst of trouble. You said you've taught us how to do things right. In fact, that email was a very surprising email for me. And I just I read it, I deleted it because I didn't want to focus too much on it. When we are filled with the kingdom of God, it will overflow and we can transform our society because of the spirit of God in us. Just to end up this message, maybe you tune in today for the first time and all your life you have been pursuing the kingdom of this world. Indeed, it promises wealth and fame, but it is as weak as clay and it's temporary. Today you have the opportunity to explore to know more about the kingdom of God, where you can get true hope and peace. If you want to explore a little bit more about God's kingdom, drop a message uh, to this email, hello, kingschurchandevro.org, or an email to the chat box. Thank you. Let's just spend some time to pray. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your kingdom that endures forever. And this is our hope. And we have, Lord, built our lives on you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the eternal hope that we have in him. In Jesus' name, amen.